Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Mark the Words with Tony and Alan. I am one of your co-hosts, Alan, and joined, as always, by Tony. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Doing well, Tony. How are you, sir? I'm okay. Could have been better after last night's episode, but we're here to talk about it still. I describe this episode as a wrestling show. Like, this was a show that had wrestling on it, had wrestling storylines. If you tuned in to watch wrestling, you'd be happy. As true Dynamite fans, though, it was it was nothing special, to be honest. And I hate having it to really say wasn't. those words. They advanced some stories. They There were some good... I wouldn't say there was a great match on the show. I would say... And that's the thing. There were two championship matches on the show. And we're still like, it was an, ah, okay, Dynamite. Right. And, you know, we'll get to it. I do think there was a clear match of the night. But in due time. The first match of the evening, which should have, you know, on any other night, could steal the show easily. But I thought fell a little short at one point, And it has nothing to do with anything that just seemed like maybe Ricky Starks got the wind knocked out of him a little bit. But it's... Well, when he got dropped on his head? Yeah. Ricky Starks versus Hangman Adam Page. By the way, they should call him opener Adam Page. (laughs) Because week after week, the Hangman starts the show. And I like that. You know? He is... Essentially, great music to start the show with. Great music. He's essentially the one A guy in the company. We've talked about yep. it many times. He's not driving any specific storyline other than being loosely associated with the Dark Order. And while the Elite hopefully soon finishes up with Moxley, I'm starting to come around to your idea of let's just get Hangman in there right now. Because I want to see. I it did at this like point. I did like how they paired seemingly paired him off against Team Taz though, because I we were talking last week how he needed a drive, he needed a storyline, he needed something to sink his teeth into, and Team Taz we were tell, talking about the same for them, and this kind of seems like a good little month long storyline that we can go down. Sure, sure. I mean, it might end after next week when he faces Cage, but right. it could also. Well, he hasn't faced Hook yet. I don't think anyone has, but I don't. First of all, Team Taz is very pathetic. They they can't score a win. They talk a lot of talk. And it's not even like Pinnacle or Nightmare or just the factory where they talk a lot of talk, but they have cheap shot wins. They have like yeah. little bragging points. Team Taz has none of that. They literally no. cannot win a match even when they're cheating. So Taz can't even get Paige to turn around and look at him when he's delivering a promo. <laughs> I know. He said his name 17 times in a row. Like, just continue the promo, bro. We're on live TV. So, you know. T- Paige. Hagman. Hagman. Paige. Paige, look over here. So, you know, Team Taz needs an edge right now. They don't have the edge. They need something. Yeah. But Hangman Starks was going. It was hard hitting. It seemed intense. There there was a, yeah. there was a lot of ferocity in the match, which I was a fan of. And then they do the back body drop where Starks is supposed to land on his feet. And he landed he square on his, on his neck. And it he got up and he got like tough about it. But you could tell that he was a little shook. Yeah. Like something was definitely off in his in his mind for a, for a split second. Then they kind of went this ankle injury route, and then I think the match kind of fell off the wheels a little bit. But what I did like is the non lariat finisher. The, I did too. The fact that he finished with a submission. You got to add flavor to these characters, and knowing that yeah. Page could win by submission, could win by buckshot. You got to mix it up, especially for the top guys like Cena. Yeah. Is he going to win by the AA, the STFU? Like 
you got to mix it up with these guys. They got to have more than one finish. Yeah. So, and we're not going to complain that his his submission finisher is very very similar to what Jungle Boy was trying to do in his match later. But again, we just have submission right. finishers. I'm happy with that. And reason I'm not complaining is I don't think this will be paid in Page's repertoire. I just love the idea that he won with something else. Right. Any other thoughts on the match from you? Because I thought it was a nice, hard-hitting affair, but like I said, it seemed to have come off the rails a little bit towards the end. Absolutely came off the rails a little bit. And I will say, we, we get a little critical of AEW's camera work, but uh, whoever set up the shot when uh, Hangman and after the match and like Hook is in there trying to hit on Hangman and then Brian Cage comes down the hall, it was like, oh, the monster is approaching. It was a beautiful shot. And to see Cage's silhouette come out of that tunnel, you were like, oh, fuck, here we go. So props to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a match. It's a matchup I'd like to see down the line again. I also would like to see, I mean, I understand the way wrestling works when the seven Dark Order members come running out to save uh, uh, Paige and then all the Taz members run away like, Brian Cage is a superhuman. Yeah, I'm not. I don't think he's worried about uh, John Silver and Colt Cabana and U- Evil Uno. Like he could kill them. He's Thanos and, to them. And it, like he could swipe them away. So I didn't really enjoy him running away scared. But I get it. I like the. I, I think there's a funny bit in there where the Dark Order runs out. Cage growls, and they all back off. But yeah. but like you have like one of them scoop Page up from the side yeah. you gotta you gotta mix it up you can't just have everyone's afraid of everyone at all very times. excited for page cage page cage will be good very excited second match of the night trent as justin roberts <laughs> calls him on his way to the ring versus penta already we're we're losing where is my mind as the theme song for the best friends it was gone. Well, no, I think I think where is my mind is is purposefully Cassidy and now apparently Chris Statlander, and then the best friend song is great. It's one of my favorite songs in AEW, so they're gonna keep when best friends is coming out either solo or as a tag team. I think they're keeping the best friend song. They also have the best Titantron video. Yeah, yes, they do. The match was good. Um, I d- uh, what's the deal with Penta? Is he part of the Death Triangle? Is he kind of all? Is he like a? He's a member of the Death Triumph, but doing his own thing. Like, there's still a faction, but they don't need to be on top of each other's business all the time. What's going on with Penta right now? I think they're just, like, old roommates. And, like, every once in a while, they'll meet at the bar and they'll do the old roommate thing. But most of the time, they're going to be on their own. You know what I mean? Uh, And Penta, with Alex, uh, however you say his last name, that's my favorite new pairing in AEW. I think that's goddamn perfect. And if and if he gets on the microphone during a Penta match to cause a distraction and says the most stupid like insult like "and you're a bitch" and that like you know makes the crowd go ooh and then Penta does something sly in the background, I'm all for it. I think that guy is playing his character to a T. I really enjoy it. He just has such a punchable face. I think it's a perfect pairing. I love. And I love that Penta went over. I really did. Yeah, Penta's the right man. Loved the Batman mask. Yeah. Penta. Penta's awesome. You know, I, I mentioned before that I want him to be a fearless death skeleton. But yeah. the little bits they do with him sometimes are so magical. The St. Patty's Day yeah. hats, the Batman mask. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love him. He is one of my favorites. And I agree. There were some booking things here and there that I didn't quite get. Like, how is Orange Cassidy not aware that penta's right behind him for a super kick like yeah little stuff he's like got that. shades on sure um there was some really nice back and forth action in this match the destroyer off the ropes always always will pop me 
Yeah. Like, uh, and I loved yeah. Trent's alternate Dolph Ziggler boots, <laughs> which I really like. I just, I don't think Penta needs help to beat Trent. Penta should beat Trent fair and square. I get that he's a heel. I agree, but, but yeah, I agree. They, they're they're just trying to, I think they're trying to keep Trent safe too because he just came back. And they, uh, they before Trent left, he was going to be the guy versus Miro for that feud. Like it wasn't going to be Cassidy. It wasn't going to be Chuck. Uh, Chuck it was going to be Trent. So, and then Trent gets injured. So I think they want to keep Trent and build him up to be like, you know, his own little person. Gotcha. 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 Why don't we jump to Miro since there was only a snippet of it this week. Kip Sabian's still on the run. They tease that Kip Sabian will be alongside Penelope Ford for a match next week. I don't think that'll happen. I think Kip will be missing. I don't think he'll be ringside. Mm. Or if he is, Miro's just going to come down and wreck him. But I I like that they're teasing that we will get Miro Darby soon enough. Like, yeah, anything. Anything to I'm get I'm mad Miro. that the, the Kip-Miro breakup seemingly happened off screen. Uh, I am mad about that, yeah. and it's done via background promo, vignette. But uh, again, anything we can get to have Miro be an in-ring competitor where he's chasing titles and fighting the big guys, let's go. Maybe that would have been a great shot to have him versus Kip on Elevation and definitely give me a reason to watch if they were to do that. Like if they were promoting right. Miro versus Kip next week, I would watch it. No doubt about no, it. No, instead, instead you get uh, Aaron Solo versus, I don't know, Fucking Ethan Page, keep going. But you like Aaron Solo, <laughs> so that was it for Miro. A lot of a lot of talk, too many guys, not enough screen time. Now we'll do the dueling because next week there's going to be a um, a parlay between the yeah. inner circle and the pinnacle. So first we had Pinnacle sit down with Jr., which I thought was the better of the two this week. Hands down, not even close. Right. I, you know, why I we, thought it was awesome. So why don't we start with the lesser of the two this week? Okay. First of all, Chris Jericho in my opinion has had some really bad promos the last couple weeks. I will I will agree with you. You called uh, his promo which Jr. referred to apparently I missed it as the immortal promo. Uh, but the, you said it was a little WWE with some of the jabs he was taking, and I, Tony Cavallo, said I enjoyed it. This week I saw wholeheartedly what you were talking about because there were some of the things that he said. Some of it made me laugh, like when he tried to do the uh, the show tune apparently off the cuff because he couldn't rhyme at the end. Like It made me giggle, but there were also some things I kind of rolled my eyes at and not the right way. Right, like uh, the old adage in WWE seems to be the face can't look weak. He has to be yeah. tough. He has to be, yeah. You can't take any else, you know. Like, yeah. can't get any egg on your face. And I get that Jericho and the Inner Circle are kind of tweeners, but there's a clear heel in this rivalry. There's a clear yeah. face and a clear heel. I think the Jericho stuff would have so much more to it leading up to Blood and Guts if they played it straight. If they said this isn't a time for jokes, this isn't a time for buffoonery. We want to beat you up. We want to take our spot. You're not coming for my spot. I'm Chris Jericho. Yeah. But no, we get sing-songy, name-calling BS. And I just, I, I, it's not for me right now. I think it's misplaced. And I, I'm not a fan and, of what they're doing. And whoever decided to give Jake Hager a line to say is a buffoon. <laughs> he, I, I don't, they gave him a prop. He can't. <laughs> they gave him a prop. He can't order uh, at the drive-thru without messing up. I don't understand. But Santana, that was my favorite part. Because when you're talking about playing it straight and trying to be, uh, I don't know, competitive and intimidating, Santana, when he talked and he took the shades off, I thought he was awesome. That was my favorite part of that segment. 
Yeah, yeah, it made me want to see Santana Ortiz back in the tag team picture. Like, yeah, I think they're great. I do too. Uh, I think Santana's great, I should say. I think Ortiz is a good second guy in a tag team. Yeah. Um, I really just am not a fan of the style of pro... Because then all of a sudden... And both sides do this. There will be a really big intense line with yelling to show you that they mean business. But, like, just stay calm. Stay reserved. Say, you you think you're coming for our spot? You're not. And, like, because blood and guts should be taken seriously. Yeah, if they keep pushing this, it's going to be the most gory match we've ever seen. And did they see Britt Baker a month ago? (laughs) Like, what are they going to do? Right. I I just, I am not a fan of the, the arc they're going on. Pinnacle side, yes. So yeah. we'll get to that one. I do think MJF needs to. Yeah, this is we're both trained actors. I think MJF is probably, without a doubt, the best character in the company right now. I'm not saying he's the best performer. I'm saying he's because Kenny Omega to me is still the best. Britt Baker, right there. But MJF just needs to time out his promos a little bit more. Just, I thought this one was uh, probably the best timed one he's had in a while. I really did. I, I thought this was pretty straight to the point, had an arc, had a delivery in the Wardlow segment. I mean, JR says it every time he comes out that this guy is future money, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. Wardlow, my guy, I mean, if we were buying stock in these things, like if they had AEW NFTs, I'd be buying all the Wardlows I could because I think he is destined for greatness in the future. And he delivered a. You look at Hager and what Hager said with his straw bit or whatever, and then you look at Wardlow, and yes, it took him a while to open up the package he was trying to open up, but he delivered the two lines they gave him with purpose. Right, and there's two ways. Like I said, I don't like the inner circle jokey. The only way I would like it that they're jokey is if they get obliterated in the Blood and Guts match, which they won't (laughs) because it's supposed to be the one single match for the entire two hours on May 5th. But what I... Like about the pinnacle, which I also find odd. It's going to be a long one night. match. It's going to be a long over night. two hours. Like I don't understand. What are we going to? Are we going to have like Matt Hardy esque? Like you know, now we transfer to this cinematic portion of the match. Like I don't really understand how that's going to work. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. And there is you know ten people to to play around with, and you also have Tully. You also have uh, Mike Tyson might make an appearance. <laughs> Shaq might. Who knows? But I just don't understand how you're going to entertain us for two whole hours in one match. Yeah, it's it's going to be a I'm waiting to see. But yeah. when I say like timed out, he jumps from zero to a hundred in anger without much of a build. So he'll yeah. be like serious, serious, and then yelling, I'm really intense. And I just want to see it build a little bit more. And and I agree, yeah. he's he's great. He is great. There's no doubt about it. This is nitpicking. I thought the silk season bit was hilarious. Yeah. In a good way. See, the heels can be funny. The heels can do whatever they want. The faces need to seem like they're they mean business. They're driven, yeah. Uh, if if this blood and guts match goes for two hours, how many minutes do you think they spend on Sean Spears? Five? We'll see. Seven? I mean, he is the... He needs to do something. I, I need to feel his presence, because I don't yet feel his presence. Um, when Wardlow said something, JR said something like that, big fella. I laughed real hard. <laughs> um Wardlow, who, if he can talk, because it didn't seem like he was uber comfortable yet, but if he can learn to talk, beautiful. Yeah, sky's the limit. Sky is the limit. So, you know, we get to 
Oh, by the way, back to the Miro promo. Calling Sting the emo face paint daddy. <laughs> Maybe my favorite line of the night. So now we get to the women's title match. Your girl Conti. My girl Conti versus... Got her ass kicked for 20 minutes. Conti versus Sheeta. And this is what I felt was the match of the night. Oh, really? Yes. I thought there was a lot of motivation by both parties. Yeah. The package to build it in the beginning I thought was good. Yep. The witch's shot by Hikaru yeah. Sheeta to, to Conti on the turnbuckle. Loved it. Dead, deadly. Maybe that move of the deadly. night. It was move of the night. Yeah. Her Titantron's super weird. Have you ever noticed it? She does. Oh yeah, like the 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 weird looking yeah. bubble monster thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was a really solid match. I think Conti has done nothing but improve each time out there. Like I agree. I I just I was really really impressed with this match because it wasn't your super spot fetched match. It was a no. hard hitting, capitalize on opportunities when they present themselves match, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, the only, I don't think I think it was a little one-sided for me to call it match of the night because it very much was Sheeta playing the heel here and taking out her opponent and kind of slapping her and kicking her and you know making her seem she's not worthy and at no point did Conti ever seem to be on top and I'm okay with that but this went on for 20 minutes and that kind of kept it one note for me um, but yeah I, I think Conti's really improving I'm happy that Sheeta won as dominantly as she did I did not want to see anything change hands and then the button on this match was perfect Britt Baker coming out saying nothing and then the Titan Tron behind her puts her as the number one contender I'm like okay she's such a great asshole and I can't wait to see her uh, now apparently in the title match in the title feud I hope it lasts to the next pay-per-view yeah and I hope it's a hardcore match and I hope I don't know. that's where yeah. Baker dethrones Sheeta. That's my hopes. Yeah. Yeah. Sheeta, the longest reigning women's champion. Yeah. And deservedly so. I feel bad Absolutely. for... She's been great. I feel bad for these people who have held titles during the pandemic. Like, it really sucks. Drew McIntyre's entire, like, WWE championship no, no, run. Nothing's worse than Drew. Yeah. I, I feel worse so bad for that guy. And... Yeah. I'd like to see Sheeta defend it in a, in a packed house. I really would. Now we get to what you probably consider match of the night. Billy Gunn versus QT Marshall. Jesus Christ. Jesus goddamn Christ. Go ahead. Listen, uh, um, props for Billy Gunn for, for showing up at age 72 and having a match out there. He looks week. I hope I look as good as he does after having two fully grown kids. Like I just hope I look as good as he does. And, uh, you know, steroids involved. I don't care. I'll take him if it makes me look like that. But he's such a slow-moving oaf that he's only good to me in spots where you're like, you know, that Casino Battle Royale where you can have Billy Gunn, like, have a face-to-face -face with Luchasaurus and the crowd starts to, ooh, you know what I mean? If I see a one-on-one -on -one match with Billy Gunn on Dynamite, I mean, I'm switching to the other channel if NXT's still on, if we're, if we're going to be honest. And QT Marshall, again... If you want to make this guy the the ultimate mastermind, the ultimate like he's running the show, uh, he he's in charge of all these dudes, and he's he's a scary individual that you gotta take seriously. He has to switch the way he's wrestling, like he's running around trying to be Shawn Michaels doing the uh, the turnbuckle spot and stuff. And I'm like, a he's not built to look that way. He's built to look like a guy who's gonna beat you by being smarter than you, and he's not smarter than a fucking doorknob. 
I, it just doesn't make any sense what they're trying to do with this character. Even when he goes at the end and tries to hit Billy Gunn with that wooden chair, uh, he raises it up for Dustin Rose to come down. He raised it up at the at, at a snail's pace. And it wasn't like, a, oh, I'm going to do this. It was like, a, okay, here comes the cue. I'm supposed to take this to the top of my head. And then the music hits. Nothing is good. Nothing is... It, it, it just all looks like it's been planned out. It all looks like we're still in the training grounds. Like he's teaching the wrestlers how to do spots. He's not doing the spots himself. But I will say, the best part of this whole entire match was the jacket that uh, Harry Jackson Riker stole from Seth Rollins' closet. Did you see that thing? There were so many tassels on that. Like, he could have been pulled by anyone the size of a child to the size of a giant. There was a tassel at every level for him to be pulled. I loved that jacket. It made no sense at all. I think they're just making fun of him now. And when he took the headshot to the chair and shook it off like it was nothing, I'm in. I like that guy. Buy me more of that guy. I don't know who he is. I want to see more. Okay. I have a couple thoughts. A, I'm a big Billy Gunn mark. When I was a kid, New Age Outlaws are, well, they're my all-time favorite tag team. So I love Billy Gunn. He's he's an Alan Austin guy. However, in AEW, I don't think you can use him for the sheer fact he's by far the biggest guy in the company. Like, uh, yeah. he looks like Braun Strowman in AEW. Yeah. Yeah, and I get it that uh, he means something. So to yes. have him out there is something. You know, he he makes a difference. He knows what he's doing in the ring. He may not be as quick as he once was, but he knows how to hit spots. He knows how to hit marks, and he knows how to time stuff out. Very yep. important. But when he's out there, he looks like he should be the the champ. Yeah, because he's a giant. He made. You call him Harry Jackson Riker, Nick Camerata. He made Nick Camerata look like a regular guy. That can't happen. That cannot happen. So uh, as much as I love Billy Gunn, you need to save him to be the jobber for a Brian Cage, for... But here's the thing. I don't, I don't want to see him in the ring at all. I know. But I don't want to see him in the ring at all. I want to see him in Colton Gunn's corner. Have this match be QT against Colton Gunn and have QT use his smarts and his wit and his veteran uh, abilities to beat the shit out of Colton Gunn and make him look like a nothing. Yeah. QT Marshall looked worse in this match afterwards. That should not happen in this build. I completely agree. So, albeit I'm a big Billy Gunn fan, he can't be out there looking like a monster, which is what he no. does. A go-go punch. We all knew it was coming. Yeah. By the way, a go-go said a little thing beforehand about how he's only in America for the money. And I mean, I'm buying a go-go. He's the stock. best guy. I think he's the. He's awesome. The day him, he, the day he becomes the leader of that faction, and Solo and Camerata turn on QT. Can we fast forward to that day already? Sure. Do it tomorrow. I I agree. What was that chair? Like, as soon as QT pulled out that wicker wooden chair thing, I was like, well, A, this is going to break easily, and B, it doesn't look like it hurts. Like, it was so stupid. And and I got... I liked it. I liked the effect of it breaking. No, no, no. It's I fine. I didn't like just... uh, the... When Dustin Rhodes came out with the bull rope and I go, are we about to have a fucking bull rope match with QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes? Like, again, I told you at the beginning of this, if I have to suffer through more QT Marshall to get more Dustin Rhodes, I'm in. But I don't know about a bull rope match. I mean, there's going to be, that's going to be such, so slow, drawn out. Dustin Rhodes is going to bleed from everywhere in his body. Like, I'm not, I'm not too thrilled for that. I did like Dustin's fiend-esque face paint this week. I thought he was wearing a blue, like, uh, COVID mask. (laughs) 
until I saw a closer look. I was like, oh, he came out here prepared. Like, you know, it kind of makes sense. He's out in the back. He's not ready to wrestle. He still has his mask up. But no, it was a dope-ass face paint. Yes. Uh, the only other thing is there was some character development. Last week I said QT Marshall looks like a bowling coach. Well, as announced by the announce team, the character he's going for is Tony Soprano. So that's why he's wearing that style shirt. And in his head, he's a mafia boss, which is a great heel thing to do is think you're like Tony Soprano and be nothing like Tony Soprano. So I just wish if there was going to be a Tony Soprano character, it wasn't going to be wasted on QT Marshall. But I I now understand why the shirts are coming into play. And we can do a whole breakdown. If he's Tony... Who's who's the Polly Walnuts? <laughs> Is a go go Furio? I mean, I could go down a whole Soprano rap, rabbit hole here, but listen, you you can't you can't call yourself Tony Soprano when you look like a meatball that should be in the sauce. Okay, that's all I gotta Ooh, say. You're Chris Jericho. All right. Oh, another problem. QT Marshall's finisher being the RKO diamond cutter. Like yeah, I, 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 you could. There is nothing about QT Marshall that is original to me. It makes so much sense that his move is a move that made famous by ten other people. <laughs> not a, like I'm surprised he's not out here super kicking people. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of that being his finisher. Clearly, the guy's made within the AEW community. He can do whatever he oh, yeah. wants, and I'm sure he's a great teacher. I'm sure he's a great like. Uh, I'm sure people learn so much from him, and they've changed. You know, he's changed careers and all that stuff. I. This ain't doing it. No, I, I, I can't say I disagree with you. And I'm not trying to sound like a pessimist. We are reviewing a show that we are watching. All right, now we get to what I thought was the most head-scratching moment of the evening. Shades of the DX bus come to mind from the Attitude Era, where all of a I sudden, this. all of a sudden out of nowhere, DX had a bus one night. Yeah, and it was their bus, and it was awesome. It was tricked out, and then it got destroyed in the same episode. <laughs> and tonight, or last night, we got the elite trailer where loved it. they're hanging out. Love. They look like they look awesome. <laughs> Fucking one of them's got the one pink earring. I mean, it looked awesome. The other one who didn't look good was uh, 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 I think it was uh, Carl Anderson. He was wearing cargo shorts. That was the only guy who didn't look good. Luke Gallows looked great. He looked awesome. So, you know, Nick Jackson looked awesome. They they all looked awesome, and Nakazawa being in there was hilarious. <laughs> like loved it. Um, okay, so they set up that they have this party trailer, and as Kenny yep. Omega is about to deliver a promo, a horn keeps honking. Everyone yep. and their mother knows who's outside yep. honking. And it starts to piss them off. And they all set up that they're looking out the window, <laughs> right at the moment. Where John Moxley's beeping with Eddie Kingston, and they slam into it. They ram into it. it looked great. It looked it amazing. Looked great. But there's a huge gaping hole to this whole thing. <laughs> Where did the elite go? Moxley and uh, Moxley and uh, uh, Eddie Kingston walk in. They break some glass with a pipe. Uh, they walk in, and you can hear Moxley clearly go, "Oh, there's no one in here." They pull the shack. They pulled a shack. We've seen it before. People disappear in AEW. They teleport. So you have... What did you want? Blood, like the blood and guts? What did you want to see? <laughs> Not that. <laughs> Not Houdini. So in theory, you had the Good Brothers, the Young Bucks, 
Don Callis, Kenny Omega, a cameraman, Michael Nakazawa, looking out a window, and within 10 seconds, they all went, oh, that's probably Moxley in that truck, which has a... <laughs> we should, we get, should out of get out of here. And again, it makes Moxley and Kingston look like morons. So I, Vehicular manslaughter. If anyone came out looking good, it's the elite. <laughs> I thought... I, th- I was fine with it. I was fine with it. I, I think it would have been fine if they couldn't open the door. You know what I mean? And they couldn't get into the trailer. Or even if, like, you know... I mean, if they really wanted to gimmick it, you have, like... Michael Nakazawa, like, lying prone in the grass. You know, just stupid shit like that. But I was fine with it. I thought Kingston and Moxley were good here. The way they sort of ran over each other with their lines and stuff. I thought this was a perfect use of them. (laughs) I laughed off the plot hole, my friend. I did not dive into it like you did. I like, it's not hard to dive into. It was just sitting there for your consumption. There was nothing to break down and deep dive. Literally, they were there. Then they were gone. It's they were gone. They disappeared. Um, I liked Eddie Kingston going. You couldn't throw the pipe when I was out of the way. That's fun improv I that I like. Yeah. So I, I, I head scratching moment of the night. I don't know if I'm tagging in. I don't know if I'm <laughs> tapping out. I don't know how I feel. Now we get to a guy you've been very critical of, Christian Cage, and I think tonight he proved two things. One, he is a good veteran hand to have on staff. Yeah. To put a match together. Make a young guy like Hobbs look like a beast, but still win. And two, when the kill switch is hit relatively quickly, it looks a hundred times better. Interesting to see your thoughts on this match. This was my match of the night. Uh, I don't think it was a, a, a tough competition for them, but I definitely think this was the best match on the card, and I really liked what Christian was doing. I really liked this match. Um I'm here to buy Christian in matches like these. I'm not here to buy Christian as fighting for Kenny Omega's belt. Um, But, I mean, yeah, him versus Hobbs, I'm in. I bought it all, and I I liked it. And also, Hobbs did one thing on the outside where he missed one clothesline and then immediately went for it from behind. I was like, I've never seen that before. That was awesome. looked like it killed Christian. I was like, all right, cool. I'm seeing some stuff I haven't seen before. Christian looked really, really fluid, um, throwing his body around the ring. He took, like, a neck bump off the bottom rope at one point. Like, there was some stuff... He was doing I did not expect him to do. I really enjoyed what I saw. I saw Christian do stuff that I haven't seen done in AEW yet, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and Hobbs came to play. Like, that was a guy... I thought he played his part really well. I thought he was great. And, you know, uh, he is someone who they should be really starting to focus on soon. I don't think he's there yet, but I love his trajectory. And you're right, that clothesline to the back of the head... I literally gasped. I was like, oh, because it looked so good. Yeah. He will be a player for years to come. Like, I, I really think that. Uh, I think that's my favorite Powerhouse Hobbs match of all time. Yeah. I like I like how he has uh, multiple names like some of the other characters at AEW. Clearly, he wants to be Powerhouse Hobbs, and that's what Tony Khan wants him to be. But the announced team keeps calling him every other name in the book other than Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah, I thought the most interesting was Calvin Ann. We get to a backstage Jade Cargill promo, and I'm loving where it's going. My best moment of the night. Uh, Hands down my favorite part of the night. You have Matt Hardy. You have Vicky Guerrero all vying yep. for her services to be their man. Or, it's, it's almost like they sent in applications. Right. They're fighting you know to I mean? be her representation. And yeah. two things. I told you I want her to be associated with somebody that she can yep. be with. Yep. I don't think it should be Matt Hardy. I don't think it should be Vicky Guerrero. 
No, I want it to be a solo per like like Alex with Penta. I want it to be just one person with her. She's not part of a team. She's not part of nothing. She's not part of a family, part of a stable. It's literally like this is her mouthpiece and it's only her mouthpiece. I'm going to throw an idea out. I want to hear your initial thought. Don't put her in fucking QT Marshall's family. No, please. no, no, no. Come on. Lady Elite. No. No. There's too many. There's too many people. There's too many people. Because again, Jade Cargill... I think Jade Cargill has a chance to be the face of this company, not just the women's division, the face of this company in the future. I think she could be that good. And for her to be part of the elite, yes, it would put it with Kenny Omega, with the Young Bucks, but there are already so many... Viewers are never going to look at her if she's in that group. Okay. Never. Not once are they going to pay attention to her if she's in that group. They're not going to pay attention to... I mean, they'll pay attention to her if she's in the Dark Order, shit like that, but I want her to be alone on top of the mountain and i think she only gets there if she's alone from the start so you don't want her to have a manager oh no i i have given her a mouthpiece i get it i I, you know all especially heel wise all heels in AEW need to have a mouthpiece giving her a mouthpiece i get it but i want it to be just hers like kind of iron is just with uh, uh cody rhodes for the most part i want it to be just her manager maybe they should bring someone who they don't have yet yeah, there's plenty out there. There's a, a a little girl who likes to twitch a lot, to be on Twitch a lot that's out there that could be great for her. I like that idea. I like that yeah. idea. What I do love, though, is that she says, I don't need anybody, but if they're willing to pay me, I'll do it. Yeah. Great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. Then we get to our main event, which... Such a letdown, dude. I'm not going to lie. I was really let down by this main event. I thought it was a bad I told match. you. I texted you. Because I did not know the match card other than Sheeta Conti heading into this night. And they tell you what's going to be on the show right at the beginning. And when they said it was going to be Darby Allen versus Jungle Boy, I, I, I popped. I was so ready for that. Because I love Jungle Boy. I've said it on this show. Darby Allen can go. And they, they give these matches time. So I'm like, dude, we're going to get... We're going to get a main event of Darby versus Jungle Boy, and they're going to fucking rip each other's faces off. They're really a good match for each other. And I was so pumped to see it. And then to see in the match, Jungle Boy start to play a little heel aspect of it, because, you know, you got to have that face-heel match. I was pumped to see it. And then it just kind of fell flat the whole time. I don't really know what happened. It was, first of all, there is no rivalry between the Jungle Express... And, and, Sting, and Sting and Darby. No. Is it Jungle Express? I always get the, the name of the faction wrong. But there's nothing between these two face groups. You can have a successful face versus face respect match, which is A, what this should have been, and B, it should have ended clean. It should have just ended yeah. with a winner, handshakes at the end. Then, yes. then you have the button of the interference afterwards, yeah. <clears throat> which we'll get to. But... I thought this match was slow. Yeah. I thought this match was boring at times. Yeah, I agree. I did not like the decisions to have Jungle Boy and Darby get in each other's faces and like intimidate each other. This should have been that. a balls-to-the-wall, high-flying, daredevil contest where eventually Darby just won. Like, that's what it should have been. I mean, there was a spot where... Jungle Boy was trying to put him in the surfboard. He tried twice, yep. wasn't happening, so they adjusted, and it led to Darby raking the eyes. Darby should never, ever be raking eyes in a non-hardcore match. 
Yeah. The announcers tried pulling, pl- playing it off as you got to do whatever it takes. But the only reason I feel like the eye rake happened was because they were adjusting because the surfboard yeah. didn't work out. It was just a little bit of a mess. I, I thought it. I, you got to – Luchasaurus and Sting started getting in a fight in the outside. That was completely unnecessary. Didn't make any Didn't sense. Didn't make any sense. It was so weird. This this whole main event was so weird. And I think I'm tapping out, and I honestly think it was the low point of the night. And it breaks my heart to say that. I, I'm right there with you, man. And this was, you know... And also, I think it comes with expectations, too. Like, especially when you know what these two guys can do. They have expectations. And if we were unknown to these two wrestlers coming into this we probably wouldn't have called this the low point of the night but yeah man i uh i mean there was a chance like it wasn't going to happen but if you have in your mind the three to five wrestlers that could wear this belt and be so-called the face of tnt jungle boy is one of those guys like you could easily see him be the face and have him be like because if he won he'd be on the news tomorrow he really would because of his last name because of his lineage like there'd be so much going with him and you could have had so many times in this match like you said a face versus face match for respect where the 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 false finishes really brought you you know to your feet you know like is jungle boy actually going to do this is you know is this actually going to happen are we actually going to have the title change and at no point was that there at no point did it seem like these guys ever found their footing in this match maybe maybe they're not good dance partners you know maybe maybe they're not meant to be together and that's fine too but yeah this was not I expected so much more, and it was just disappointing. Yeah, neither of them. Both of them work really well when they're the underdog. Yeah, there's no underdog. Maybe here. that's it. Yeah, it's just I really, really did not like the story of this match. No. And then no, I didn't like anything of it. No, and then you get to the end where you know our favorite tag team Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky come out to beat up Darby. Sting comes out. Murderhawk Monster comes out. Jake somewhat comes out, and they run scared the same way Cage did earlier in the night. I I don't know what we're going for here. Honestly, I thought it was a really bad ending to the show. I was very upset, and I know I sound negative, but we, we want to love it. Like, you and I are not out to, to complain. You and I are out to exactly. like, love exactly. and gush and... I mean, I wish the listeners could see the text I sent you about how excited I was for this match. I was not looking for failure. No. No, I um, I think maybe they shouldn't match up again. If you're not going to have a respect face versus face, face, keep them out of each other's path. Yeah. What stinks, though, is that the fans voted on this match. Yeah, which I didn't re- I, I didn't get a vote. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, uh, I, yeah, it, it stinks that it happened. But, uh, hey, we'll see what happens in the future. Um, next week, though, Cage Page, what else do we have? We have the parlay, which could be good, but I'm afraid yep. it's going to slip into comedy territory again. It's going to be about 20 minutes long. <laughs> we have uh, Penelope Ford in ring versus Chris Statlander. Very cool. Very cool. Excited for that match. Yep. And we have Orange Cassidy versus Penta, I believe. I'm in. Yeah, I'll be th- I'll be there next week oh. again. Like it's not it's not like it's not like something where you 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 know you put on a disappointing show and then I'm not going to watch again. I am invested in this product. I'm excited to see the future of it. I will keep watching, obviously, and I'll be keep paying attention. But uh, yeah, sometimes sometimes you don't win one. No, and next week also we get a trios match. We get 
QT, Camarada, and Solo versus the ragtag group of Cody Rhodes Associates, Billy Gunn, Lee Johnson, and Dustin Rhodes, which it's you know how it's going to end. So, <laughs> but I do think this will be we'll, the return of. Will we'll paint be thrown? <laughs> I do think Cody will reemerge next week after the match. So we have that to look forward to. All right, who's who's a go go gonna gut punch? All of them. Will 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 Dustin Rhodes bleed? He will bleed from the face after a punch to the stomach. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I'll see you next week, Tony. And, and I, I, I promise you listeners, we love this show. Like we love it. We would not be doing this if we didn't. All right. That's all we got for Mark the words with Tony and Alan. Again, my name on the first for for my name's first. On the first of the month, whatever that means. All right. My name's first. Second is best. Goodbye.